this started out as a book project I never wanted to write. After I wrote an essay uh, for the New York Times about my dad's death, I was approached by agents and people seemed to be curious about a farm kid from Iowa and the compelling story of grief. I'm a journalist and I grew up on a farm in the middle of nowhere and two and a half years ago my dad died. Since then I've been lost, I've been angry, I've been hopeful. It's a weird thing, grief. And what I realized that some of my anger is a result of watching Iowa, which will always be my home because that's where my dad lives forever now because I grew up on a piece of land that my grandfather, my dad, and now my brother farm that the only place that I find comfort is on my rooftop garden here in New York City with my hands buried in dirt and smelling dill. Because when I smell dill, I'm home. And I'm with my dad because we had a huge stand of dill out by the well pit and back. And I remember when I was a kid, sticking my face in the billowy softness of dill and breathing in the smell. What's happening in Iowa, what's happening to the people I thought I knew, to my home through politics and lies and racism is like an attack on my heart again. This is just my story. It's so many people's story. Watching the downfall of a place that once was blue and then purple and the right turn into red under the current governor, the former president. When I hear Iowa referred to as the heartland, and I think it struck me when I was reading a February edition of The New Yorker, Atul Gawande wrote an article titled The COVID War in the Heartland. It was about Minot, North Dakota, which at the time had been the worst hit county and the worst hit state and about arguments over whether or not a boards of supervisors or county officials could mandate masks and how something as simple as putting a piece of cloth over your face to possibly save your neighbor's life became contentious. And that played itself out in Iowa and is still playing itself out. Like other Trump-aligned state houses under GOP control, Iowa passed discriminatory legislation, a discriminatory election law that shortens early voting periods and modifies to a discriminatory degree absentee ballot voting, which directly impacts people with disabilities and people of color. One senator, young white man, 
alleged that the Iowa Capitol at one point was under siege by Black Lives Matter activists who actually were gathered at the Capitol in a peaceful protest. Later, he was forced to walk it back because it was a lie. It was a lie. He said that he was cowering, essentially, in his office and counting his ammo, which brings up all sorts of questions. The fear that was ginned up around Black Lives Matter movement in Iowa and across the country led to an unprecedented number of reporter arrests. And Iowa, Polk County specifically, has the special honor of being the only county, the only municipality who put a journalist on trial for doing her job. Andrea Masahori is a breaking news reporter, and I think she's transitioning into a watchdog reporter for the Des Moines Register. And she was covering a BLM protest last summer. Um, And the video is stunning, and you can watch the whole trial, but she was pursued by a police officer in full riot gear with her hands up, saying, I'm press, I'm press, I'm press. And the officer grabbed her by the arm and shot her directly in the face with pepper spray. It made international headlines. The press is under attack thanks to Donald Trump and his allies. Fortunately, the county had no case. There was another white male representative in the state house who tried to ban the 1619 project from being taught in public schools. Of course, Nicole Hannah-Jones was born and raised in Waterloo, Iowa, which is just up the road from where I grew up. And this kid tried to get her Pulitzer Prize-winning 1619 project banned from Iowa schools. I mean, his measure didn't pass, but that's the insidiousness of some of these pieces of legislation is that he probably knew it wouldn't pass, but you know what? It's going to make great campaign red meat to all the right-wing racists still loyal to Trump. In 2016, the Koch brothers started funneling funds into Iowa House and Senate races. I thought maybe it was a one-off, but no, they've installed several Koch brothers-funded senators, passed a de facto redlining housing bill that allows landlords to reject vouchers from people living in poverty. It disproportionately impacts people of color, specifically women of color and single moms, the disabled and the elderly. And the disabled community in Iowa is around 340,000 people. Less than 10% are white and the rest are people of color. Of those 368 roughly 1,000 Iowans with a disability, an estimated 19.7% live in poverty. And these guys, the GOP in Iowa, decided the best thing to do was to empower landlords to discriminate against people who need vouchers to live. It's racist, ableist, ageist, and it's disgusting. There's the big breaks for big ag, and I think of farmers and how we have to change the conversation from farmers to owner-operator farmers, because there's a difference. 
When I see representatives Feenstra and Hinson and Miller Meeks or Senators Ernst and Grassley talk about how much they love farmers, they aren't talking about farmers like my dad. They aren't. They're talking about conglomerates. They're talking about giving tax breaks to corporate farms. These corporate farms that aren't actual stewards of the land that the farmers I knew growing up were. Corporate farms poison the water. I never thought I would live to see the Raccoon River and other waterways in Iowa become garbage heaps. I think that the moment that I really lost my marbles was back in April, I think. Kim Reynolds, on behalf of all Iowans, rebuked a federal request of Iowa to help house children from the U.S.-Mexico border. She stood up and said, these kids, these toddlers, these babies, these aren't our problem. That's the president's problem. And that Biden had flung open some imaginary door at the border and let all of those people in. In 1975, in July, after touring refugee camps in Southeast Asia, Iowa's Governor Robert Ray said of what he had seen, quote, I didn't think we could just sit there idly by and say, let those people die. We wouldn't want the rest of the world to say that about us if we were in the same situation, end quote. Governor Ray made the only decision he and his fellow Iowans could, that Iowa will take them. Iowa will take them. I was embarrassed to admit this one time when I was talking to my mom, that it wasn't until I read Governor Ray's obituary in 2018 that I was reminded that he was a Republican. But it didn't compute because Governor Ray was a humanitarian who chose to do the right thing and help these refugees, which was not politically popular. And I guess that's why I continue to come back to this project. Trust me, I've tried to walk away from it. I don't want to write a book. I don't want to, I don't want to have to keep thinking about it, but it's who I am. It's how I was brought up and I don't know. Uh, I can't not do this thing. And I mean, I haven't even gotten into the COVID stuff or the pandemics or all the federal funding that's dumping into the state of Iowa. So buckle up. <laughs>